we're back at Blue Holler Brew Supplies, having a uh, Country Boy Infinite Sadness. Uh, this is a extremely dark beer, especially for an IPA. Uh, I think they consider it a black IPA, right, Matt? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, out of Lexington. Yeah. We, you know, we get plenty from Country Boy. That's one that we can yeah. usually find around here. For I don't, sure. I'm not sure how their distribution is to the rest of the United States. I don't know if I've ever checked on that. That's a good question. But if you can find it, it's always good to try. Cougar bait is like kind of the go-to summertime beer that a lot of people enjoy when you're out mowing or, you know, having a party or something. Cougar bait's always easy to throw in the cooler. But the one that we're drinking today is a extremely dark IPA called Infinite Sadness that is aged in Four Roses bourbon barrels. Uh, what's your first impressions, Matt? It's uh, rich. Yeah. <laughs> Black is the night. Infinite sadness is a, a great uh, terminology for it. It. I feel like it's got a little, um, I think the bourbon comes through pretty strong on the front yeah. of it. I don't know about the black IPA. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I get any IPA from it, to uh, be honest. Yeah. I mean, they say it, you know, they say it has hops in it. <laughs> but I, I just smell like, I don't. it does say that there's an earthy char to it. And I would definitely mm, agree with there. that. Um, it supposedly has notes of toffee, chocolate, vanilla, and bourbon. I got the bourbon. Yeah, did you get anything else? Uh, you know, I bet when it warms up a little bit, some of those others might come out, but. Well, the, the smoky oakness of it is really detectable. Yeah. Like that's, to me, that's what hangs on the palate. Yeah. It is pretty drinkable though. Like I don't. Very much so. It doesn't. Um, Which is dangerous. Yeah. Cause this is 11, 11 to 11 and a half percent, depending on what year you get it. Yeah. Um, but right in that 11% right range, there. which is. Yeah. You got to be careful when you're getting pints of 11% beer. <laughs> right. Because it will sneak up on you. Yeah. Um, just as a note, we are drinking five-ounce tasters at the moment. <laughs> we, we don't have full pints of it. Of course, we are going to be drinking some other beer tonight. So, yeah. um, you know, got to go easy it's on the 11%. It's all about the pace. It's all about the pace. You got to yeah. pace yourself. Yeah. You can't do a whole crawl at once. You got to pace <laughs> That's yourself. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's pretty good. I think it's a solid beer. It's a fun beer. Yeah. There's lots of... Lots of interesting notes to it. The smell is is pretty wild too. Mm-hmm. Like it has um, it has a lot of, it almost has a little bit of caramel smell to it. Yeah, but I think and the a char fruit too. Yeah, yeah, but the char definitely comes oh, through yeah. super strong. Yeah, um, which is fine. I mean, that's kind of what you want on a dark beer like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a good kick. Well, yeah, that's the Country Boy Infinite Sadness. If you can find it somewhere, give it a try because it's super wild. That's right. So the album we're talking about to go with Infinite Sadness <laughs> is, the, match. is the 1985 post-punk slash new wave slash, don't know, uh, Killing Joke. Metal-ish. Nighttime. You, you get some metal out There's of it, too? There's some chunky in it. There really is. So Killing Joke are a very interesting UK band. Um, from their early days in the late 70s, they were straight punk rock. Mm-hmm. Almost minimalist punk rock, uh, lots of percussion, lots of, uh, you know, screamy kind of vocals and moodiness and whatnot. Um, but they've always had a really dark edge to them. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're, they're one of those bands 
similar to like the damned where they had like i was yeah that's a perfect parallel now did you listen to killing joke at all when you were growing up were they on your radar here and there here and there they were on a lot of comps right that i would get you know yeah that's a fair point they did make their rounds on a lot of comps they don't have a ton of records really they have maybe 10 to 12 records throughout their career i want to say uh, and a lot of those records came out in the 90s and into 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, one of those deals. Um, and they've also had a lot of band members change. Um, the one guy who has somewhat stayed the same as the vocalist and keyboardist, Jazz Coleman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of the face of the group. You know, he's he's one of the early proponents of dark eye shadow yeah. and uh, all black clothing, very goth, very dark. Um, but... You know, this this record we're talking about is probably their most goth record. Um, would, and, yeah. And this came out around the same time as a lot of punk people went goth. Like The Damned had Phantasmagoria. True. Um, and even Strawberries. There were all these records by punk groups that were getting kind of into the goth thing. Mm-hmm. Susie yeah. Sue, you know, she uh, had yeah. Tinderbox. And yep. You know, the ones that came after that. Yeah, I'm sure there was a Cure album out at that time. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Jesus and yeah, Mary Chain. Jesus and Mary Chain. They all kind of went through uh, this goth phase yeah. at this point in their careers. You know, the late 70s was pure punk. The early 80s was the punk transition into goth, kind of. Yeah. Um, but this record is by far their most commercially successful which isn't saying a lot because <laughs> <Right. laughs> they're not a huge commercial band. Yeah. Uh, but this was the first album that kind of put them on the map commercially outside of the DIY punk yeah. people. Um, the hit single, if you want to call it that, from the record. <laughs> the 120 uh, minutes. Was Love Like Blood. Yeah. Uh, which had a really cool video that went along with it. Um, very, very, very aesthetically goth pleasing for the mid 80s. Uh, lots of open fields with random people walking around. <laughs> and fog. Yeah, and lots fog? of fog, yeah. Do you, do you remember that song at all growing up? Vaguely. Yeah, vaguely. Maybe, I, maybe from a mixtape or something? A mixtape or maybe MTV at that time. Yeah. You know, late. I don't know. I don't think 120 Minutes was on then. It might not have been. And That might have been pre. There was something else before 120 I don't know. Well, Alternative Nation came after. Yeah. But I, I'm kind of like you. I think there was something before 120 Minutes. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, I do remember this. And but it, it's just that's a really odd record. It is because almost it came out at the 85. To me, it sounds more like 87 to 88. Like, I swear I hear metal in it, much like the cult transitioned into that that's a great point type that's a great chunkiness point. there's it, lots of chunky it would work riffs. well on a mixtape that had the cult on it right like mm-hmm. you could you could put some of these songs up against like love removal machine or yeah. Firewoman or something right. like that or, or even some off of uh love too so what are some of the what are some of the big songs on love let's you see think? you could do big neon glitter or uh, what was it? Revolution yeah. was the big hit off that. Right. You I know. do remember that song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is this is an odd record, and that's kind of why I love it so much. I, yeah. I found this album sometime last year. Um, 
I heard the track 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. And which is the closer on the album, which honestly doesn't sound like any of the other songs on the no, album, which is no, weird. No, it does but not. I heard, the, um, I heard the track 80s because of a lawsuit that they had with Nirvana. Uh, the bass riff on wow. 80s is the exact same bass riff to Come As You Are hmm. that Nirvana had a huge success with. So when Nevermind came out and that bass riff on Come As You Are came out, right. which is the exact same bass riff in the yeah. 80s, uh, Jazz from <laughs> Killing Joke was like, hey, uh, you might want to credit us there since yeah. that's our song. Give us a little credit. So then, um, you know, they they had a lawsuit and then Kurt Cobain committed suicide and then they went, ah, fuck, and they dropped a lawsuit. Because, you know, nobody wants to be that asshole that's suing a dead guy who was the voice of a generation. You know? Oh, uh, yeah. That, yeah. It, right. it was a lose-lose for them yeah. at that point. Totally. But I think um, I think the kicker was that Kurt even admitted they lifted it from <laughs> Killing <laughs> Joke. Yeah. Uh, so that... There's that. But beside that point, I think 80s is the better tune of the two for the simple fact that 80s is a political statement. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's about the uh, the Thatcher era, England, where she was kind of selling the country away and losing jobs everywhere and whatnot. Yeah. Um, it's it's a very strong condemnation of the 80s. Similar, I think, to what Heaven <laughs> 17 did with pay, Penthouse yeah. and Payment. Right, yeah, that's um, right. You know, it's putting a magnifying glass mm-hmm. to England in the 80s. Yeah. And it also has a kick-ass video where he's standing at a podium almost like a Hitler figure yeah, with the dark <laughs> eye shadow and like hair all crazy and screaming and throwing his arms out everywhere. Um, Cause that's kind of the thing with killing joke is they're a very like visual band. Yeah. You know, it's similar to Susie Sue where you need to see what this aesthetic looks like to kind of get it. Enhance the tunes a little bit. Do you, you feel like Susie Sue is probably a contemporary of killing joke, right? Oh Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get a lot of the same vibes from Tinderbox with this record. Mm-hmm. Like Cities and Dust could play alongside any of oh, these. Oh, totally. Tracks. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's part of, that's part of the mixtape. Definitely <laughs> part mean, of the mixtape. So easily. Have you ever went back and listened to any of the early Killing Joke stuff, any of the punk stuff? Not a whole lot. Yeah. And I feel like I should. Well, after this just to get a flavor of it. Yeah, the thing about this record that's so interesting is it came out after, um, I think, an album called Fire Dance or Fire something. Yeah. Um, that was still part of that punk aesthetic. This was the first one that they actually decided, hey, we're going to try to go a more pop-oriented route right. to, to yeah. get more listeners yeah. while still keeping the edge of the mm-hmm. early punk stuff, which I think it masterfully does. Um you know, there's there's tracks like Kings and Queens that are very upbeat. Um, but yet the guitar throughout the whole record is super cutting and biting, almost like Gang of Four or uh, or Wire or, yeah. or you know, yep. contemporary post-punk yeah. acts like that. Um, but yet it has it has studio glitter to it. Like it has some... It has a polish to it. It has certain, a polish. A certain sheen. Um but yeah, it charted in the UK. It was a, it was a fairly, fairly big record in the UK. Um, so "Love Like Blood" peaked at number sixteen, which yeah. is you know that's pretty good for for a band that. That's you know, a good song too. Right. Yeah. And is that the one that has the feel good riff? 
Yeah. Baseline. That is yeah. it. Yeah, that's the one that, you know, I don't know what year Dr. Feelgood came out. 80. Probably 88. 7 or 88. It definitely lifted that oh, bass man. riff from totally. uh, Love Like Blood. Totally. I mean, it's it's immediate. That's, you hear it immediate. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it, it plays 16 in the UK. Uh, it even reached number five in the Netherlands, it said, which is, you know, they... I feel like they understand this kind of music more in that area, you know, like even yeah. with black metal and things like that. Like they, they get the dark music a little bit better than maybe we do in the U.S. Or in the well, UK. yeah, at that point, it was probably what Miami Vice and Duran Duran, yeah, and Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA, yeah, was filling the charts. Thriller still, still maybe, yeah, yeah. no, it's still the charts yeah. in the eighties. Um, something else that to speak to the success of this record is they were on EG. EG was the label they were on. Oh, that's interesting. And once this album came out and started charting, they signed with Virgin. Hmm. So they, they took a definite step up there. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, to get to the bad part about this record, as good as this is, they could never capture this again. Like, yeah. this was, they caught this and put it in a bottle, and then it just completely busted and shattered and went everywhere. Because the album after this, Brighter Than a Thousand Suns, is absolute garbage. It is, they, they took the synth, like this, yeah. al- this album has a little synth to it. It's not overly synth heavy, but it does have it, and it has right. some electronic drum sounds. But the next album was like full synth. Total. Yeah, and you know and they that was what eighty seven, yeah, probably yeah, and and the trouble eighty six, eighty six, yeah. Ooh. So it's like right after, yeah. and the trouble with that is they started getting compared to like Simple Minds, <laughs> which oops, which nothing wrong with Simple Minds, but if you're a punk band, you don't want to be compared to no, Simple Minds. No, even if you're a goth band, you right. don't want to be compared to them. Um, and it didn't, you know it. It didn't chart at all, basically. Like yeah. it just completely fell off. I remember that one in the cutout bins a lot. Yeah, black cover. It, it's got a dude circle the with front. the dude's face on it. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool looking cover, but the record's kind of trash. It's really not that good. It's 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 kind of like um, that Gang of Four record we see all the time. Mm, yeah. Um, hard. It's hard. Yeah. Something like that. I think we have two copies right now. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, you know, when, when the post-punk bands went too heavy into synth territory, it never seemed to work out for them that well. Yeah. I mean, just off the top of my head, I can't think of hmm. any that it worked out for. <laughs> Other than maybe Susie Sue. You know, she had a pretty she had a pretty good career. Even like Kiss Them For Me and things like that yeah. charted well. But it's peek-a-boo. still... Peekaboo. Peekaboo. <laughs> But it's still not the same as Tinderbox, you know. It's not the same as Junta. It's not the same as those early records, Kaleidoscope, that yeah. were so fantastic. Right. Um, Dark. So one thing that sucks about this album is it's hard to find. Um, because even though it sold well, it didn't sell well in the U.S. Yeah. Um, the copy that I have is from Music on Vinyl. And Music on Vinyl pressed a black vinyl copy. And a silver vinyl copy, and I got lucky and found a silver vinyl copy for a decent price. I think it was like maybe thirty-five bucks. Oh yeah, uh, which is a lot. You know, it's a single well, LP. And even their regular retail for music on vinyl still—it's a little high because it's pressed in uh, Denmark. Maybe I can't remember exactly. Belgium, maybe pressed in Belgium. Yeah. Um, so 
it can still be found, uh, but they only pressed maybe a thousand or two thousand of them. Mm-hmm. So um, the repress is still kind of tough to find. Yeah. Uh, and discog prices are all over the map, so it's it's of a course. little tough to get that way. And if you're in the U.S., you know, buying U.K. presses is a little bit hard to do because you have to pay for the shipping and all shipping, that sort of thing. Yeah. They'll get you. Um, so it's kind of a tough album to find. Your best bet may be to listen to it on Spotify and kind of get a feel for it and see if you want to drop that kind of cash. True, yeah. Has there been any, like this is a side topic a little bit, has there been any that you heard on Spotify and then was like, you know, I got to have this and then went and dropped the cash for it? Hmm. Or any that you heard online, like either on YouTube or some sort of streaming service? Yeah. You know, nothing really comes to mind, honestly. it's That's weird, but... I still don't use Spotify a whole lot. Yeah. More for new releases. Well, and to be know. fair, you have a ton of physical copies well, of stuff. Like yeah, your your collection's true. pretty yeah. pretty massive and not even counting your C D collection. <laughs> right. But I think maybe me and uh, another guy at the shop, Lee, we tend to Yeah. Lean heavy. Yeah, it's it's when we hear that, that track or that it's album. A great tool though. It I really mean, is. You know, it, it makes a lot of it, it's a it's a double edged sword in a way because you miss out on that crate digging experience a little bit. Yeah. But true. at the same time, some of that stuff would just never be possible to own unless no. somebody put it on Discogs. Yeah. And at least there it's it's maybe graded a bit better than eBay or something to that knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Cuz eBay can be all over the map. <laughs> can be anything. Plays great. But to <laughs> that point, to that point, I did pick up this copy on eBay. Um, oh, did you? I did. Uh, there was a guy in the States that was selling this on eBay brand new. So um, it is able to be found at a, at a decent price. I would suggest uh, streaming it if you're into uh, Nine Inch Nails, Ministry. Oh, um, yeah, definitely Nine Inch Nails. KMFDM, any mm-hmm. of those like industrial, darker bands. Yeah. You're probably going to really enjoy this because this is like the predecessor to that even you know Reznor's even said that Killing Joke's one of his favorite bands ever just because of that yeah. dark you know that dark feel to it right and the Spotify has the I guess deluxe edition yeah because I listen to all the bonus tracks of yeah it has the studio um, sessions and and it has like the 12 inch singles and things like that on there which are always fun to listen to so w- w- let me ask you this what would you rate this album out of 10 Ooh, out of 10. Uh, you know, it's probably, it's definitely a 7 like out a, of 10. Like a hard 7? Like a hard 7. Like a 7.5. I actually put it up to like a 9. 9? Yeah, uh, of course, you know, I'm more into a little bit of darker music maybe than you Well, and you've sense. spent more time with it too. Yeah, um, I kind of got obsessed with it, especially the song yeah. 80s. I got really obsessed with that song. Um, cause it's kind of like a perfect punk rock anthem protest song kind of thing. Um, similar, similar to me getting obsessed with heaven 17s. Oh, yeah. We don't need this fascist groove. <laughs> right. Thing. Um, when I hear those like protest songs, they just kind of get stuck in my head, especially, you know, in this day and time we're living in. So what you're saying is we'll hear this on a DJ night sometime. We will. Yeah. <laughs> we will hear this. Uh, the next DJ night we have, we will hear this. Right. Probably use the song 80s or Kings and Queens, one of the two, because yeah. both of those are great. Yeah. Uh, it so is a great album. I give it a 9 out of 10. I say give it a listen, and if you're into um, 
any kind of contemporary darker music, I think you'll love it. Mm-hmm. And the sound is really great too. Cheers, Matt. Cheers. Let's, let's give it. Let's give it a little bit.